Live from the Xfinity Studios at WVON. We're your original social media. The Talk of Chicago, 1690 WVON. Nuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight Family I am Chinta Strasberg, host of On the Case, and my co-host is Kent Hunley. Hi, Kent. Hi, Chinta. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Kent and I thank our sponsor, Dr. Zenobia Sowell, located at 1122 North Clark Street, where she has been there for more than 20 years. Dr. Sowell has the latest dental equipment, but more important, Dr. Sowell, who is my dentist, doesn't hurt you, and she takes most insurance plans. And she's also a minister. I just love her so much. To make an appointment to see Dr. Sowell, call 312-944-9355. And Kent and I extend our sympathies to the late Mayor Richard Hatcher, who was funeralized yesterday in Gary. Thank you for your service and for helping to pave the way for other African-American mayors and others uh, who ran for higher offices. Thank you for giving us hope. Thanks go out to Mrs. Jacqueline Jackson for giving quite an impressive annual Christmas party late last night at the Rainbow Push Coalition headquarters. I didn't get home until like 11.30, <laughs> but it was it was a nice party. Um, except they had a roasted pig. Have you ever seen a roasted pig? I have seen a roasted pig. Do you eat pork? I do not eat pork. Thank you. I don't either, because people who ate that pig were eating the descendants of my pet pig named Fannie Mae on our farm. Yeah, pigs are quite intelligent, Shinta. They are. I used to walk my pig down the road um, when my parents would send us to my grandmother's farm in Michigan, and they would laugh at me and call me city slicker. I didn't care. <laughs> I had a ribbon on her. She was, she was obedient. And thanks go out to Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr. for heading an executive committee's mission to get a natural gas line into Pembroke Township. Uh, Kent, Pembroke is the poorest township in Illinois and possibly in, in America. Currently, they use propane tanks for heat, but others still use wood-burning stoves. Can you imagine having to go to the woods and chop down trees to get wood for heat? That's what some of these residents are doing out there. And it's about 75 miles from Chicago, maybe a little less. And there are few residents out there who have outdoor toilets. Can you imagine? No, not here in, a, in you know, current times, you know, especially in a, in a great country such as the United States of America. You know, our citizens living in those conditions. You know, it's I deplorable. Know. And on our farm for many years, that's what we had to do, an outdoor t- I'm telling you, I wonder why I don't have bladder problems now because I did not want to go. <laughs> and then the snakes would run across wow. the pathway. But then, thank goodness, the municipal city came in and said you have to have indoor toilet. I said, thank you, Jesus. It was quite an experience for a suburban girl to be on a farm and having to go to an outdoor toilet, I tell you. But the animals and the earth, I love the earth, and planting crops. We had a, we had, we had a farm. We had all kind of vegetables there, and animals, and the ducks, and. But one thing I didn't like was the rooster. Mm. You know why? Why is that, Shinda? Because he sat on that that fence, and every morning at four o'clock, he would wake us up. I wanted to throw a shoe at him, a <laughs> pot at him. 
<laughs> it was like an alarm clock. And then we went to the orchard and we picked fruit and uh, I, we would make three hundred dollars and uh, each and picking fruit. It was fun. It sounds like fun. You know, my family we're from the uh, south, from mm-hmm. Mississippi, so I do understand. I didn't get a chance to to visit the farm, but my sister did, and she used to come back home to the city and tell us all about it. She made money too. No, she used to bring back like walnuts, pecans, and you know, like different. Fruits and vegetables. Nothing like picking fruit, vegetables. I just love it. Now, don't forget to get your copy of Reverend Jackson's latest book, Keeping Hope Alive. You have to get this book. You can order the book at www.amazon.com. It's only $25. But if you order 100 copies, Kent. 100 copies. Yeah, 100 copies. The cost per book is only $12.50. And guess what? Or the Orbis Publishing Company will deliver it free to one location. Sounds good. You can write out a check for 100 books, right? Sure can. I'll write 100, 100, 100 <laughs> books. Depends on the cost of the books. What's the cost of each book? Twelve fifty. Twelve fifty. That's but a good if price. you buy it individually, it's $25. 25 Yeah. yeah so I'm asking deal. all pastors, all of the ministers that I have served for many, many years, please, please order 100 copies of Keeping Hope Alive. We're trying to make uh, Reverend Jackson's book a bestseller. He deserves that. He's given uh, he's given his life for us, really. And of course, we thank Father Michael Flager for giving away so many toys, including new bikes. He's given away Christmas dinners, turkeys. Um, I just love him. He just keeps on doing the right thing. And by the way, mark your calendar for uh, this event. Mark your calendar for Saint Sabina's Dr. Martin Luther King Day. And that's to hear Sarah Collins Rudolph. Kent, do you know who she is? No, I do not. Okay. She's known as the fifth little girl. She is the sister of Addie Mae Collins, who was killed in the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing, uh, along with three other girls. Uh, She, Mrs. Rudolph, was a survivor. So she's going to be there to tell the story about the day her sister and three other little girls were killed because the KKK bombed the black church. Well, on the case, listeners, you hear that terrorism has always affected our community, you know, especially during the civil rights movement. Absolutely. It's called terrorism. Yep. It's, and, and, and especially after we were freed and then the Jim Crow laws, I, you know, we've done so much. And then I have people saying, well, you shouldn't think about reparations. Well, why not? And on January 26th at 2.30 p.m., a memorial service will be held at St. Sabina's Church for Father uh, George Clement, and that is the day, Kent, you're going to be doing the show by yourself because I am not going to miss that service. Well, you'll be here in spirit. Yes. You'll be on the show and, and in I spirit. Know, and I know you can handle it, too. <laughs> I will. I'll definitely handle it. And also, I just want the on-case listeners to, um, we did do a, a petition drive for Commissioner Howard C. Metley. It's on uh, change.org, and it's all say, also it's on our website, 316magazine.com. And tell us what that t- uh, petition's about. That that petition is about um, we're demanding justice for Howard C. Metley. So demanding justice is the title of that petition, and we need your signature. So it's a uh, online petition. If you would go to change.org and type in uh, Howard C. Metley, and it will pop up, and you can sign that petition today. Okay, is that guess one? Yes. Okay, um, I can't see. We have Jim. <laughs> we have Jim. Okay, so we have on the live line? Yes. Okay, Commander Harold Tony of the Chicago Dory Miller American Legion Post. And uh, he's going to be telling us what he wants Congress to do and why. Commander Tony? Yes, how are you? Uh, good afternoon to you and your audience. I'm glad to be on your show. Uh, this is very important for what we're trying to do. Uh, we have been working, uh, for some time through, uh, uh, different administrations trying to get the, uh, Medal of Honor for Dory Miller. Uh, he had a distinguished service record, and we feel that, uh, he, this is very deserving of what he gave. He, he died as a very young man. He was devoted to the military service. Uh, 
after he was decorated with the uh, Navy Cross, uh, he was brought back to stateside. And therefore, he was out of harm's way. He was working with the uh, U.S. bond issue. And he didn't feel that he was doing what was necessary. He wanted to get back to the action to support his shipmates. And he went back. And at that time, he was uh, uh, assigned to the uh, uh, Lipscomb uh, ship. And uh, therefore, uh, he was he was attacked by a Japanese submarine. Uh, his ship was torpedoed and went down. Out of, out of uh, 900 uh, shipmates, only 272 survived. So uh, he was only 24. He did not have a chance to really live his life in time, but he used it well. He fought for his country, his shipmates. And we believe that uh, this honor is the least that we can do. See, a life is priceless. So you can't put a price on life. And he volunteered his life to serve his country. And we should never forget that. Uh, people go around day to day with their lives, doing what they have to do. But they should take a minute to think about why they have this privilege. It's because of our fighting forces that fought for us to have our way of life. And uh, now we have my staff. I have a good staff. Uh, my past commander is the adjutant, and the uh, uh, past commander's uh, past division commander have been working on this for some years, and uh, over the years we have made leeway. The uh, director McGill at the Jesse Brown's VA uh, gave us a Jordan Miller Day, uh, June 12th, and uh, the Cook County Board uh, under President Preckwinkle, she gave us a Jordan Miller, a County Jordan Miller Day. Uh, for October 12th, which that fell on his birthday. If he had been alive, he would have been 100 years old. So we have, yes, go ahead. So Dory Miller was in the Navy. He was a an American mess man, third class in the United States yeah. Navy. And during Correct. the attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941, uh, Dorian Miller manned an anti-craft guns, and he took out, yeah. what, four of the yeah, German Yeah, these uh, fighter planes. See, uh, he was ordered up to the deck to move the captain, and the captain was wounded. He need, they needed help to move the captain out of harm's way. He moved him out of harm's way. He moved some of his seniors out of harm's way. And he automatically turned around to that 50 caliber anti aircraft gun and started knocking the Japanese fighter planes out the air, which gave them time, uh, saved them from being, uh, sunk, you know. Right. And, uh, that extended the wounded lives and everything. And, uh, he didn't think twice about that, you know. And, uh, it just was a natural reaction for him. And uh, uh, when you think about the climate of that era, the... Uh, you mean, we, when you say era, you mean the racism, because blacks at that time, correct, they, could only, they could only be cooks when in the Navy. That's why they call them a mess man, peeling potatoes. That, that's correct. And, yeah. uh, uh, and even at that time when they had uh, females, uh, that they can only serve in a certain area uh, as uh, assistant nurses, nurses, doctors, uh, uh, mass units, uh, uh, base hospitals, you know. 
college, intelligence officers, you know, uh, with, uh, officers in high commands, and, uh, it's made a difference, and they stood alongside the male counterparts equally as far as their performances are concerned. Yes. Uh, and, so, and so you want Congress, you want Congress to award him a Congressional Medal of Honor. Uh, we, we definitely do. We have supporters all over the states. Uh, and uh, uh, we're constantly uh, in contact with them. Have you uh, talked to Congressman Danny Davis? Danny Davis, uh, Bernice Johnson from Texas, John uh, Dingles, uh, uh, Senator uh, Lee. Uh, so we're steady gaining uh, support for this effort. So where was uh, he born? Where was he born? Uh, uh, he was born in Waco, Texas. So you should uh, have the congressman from Texas to really uh, lead this fight, really. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. then, and then be in touch with the uh, congressional, the chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus. Let's go to the line and take Jim and see what Jim has to say. Hi, hello, Jim. Merry Christmas. Jim, are you there? Jim, okay, so I don't know what happened to Jim. Alan? Who's on the Who's on the line? This is Jim. Hey, there you are. So what do you yeah. think about uh, the fight to get the battle, rather, to get uh, Doris, uh, Dory Miller a Congressional Medal of Honor for what he did on November well, 24th, I think uh, I think it's a good idea, and I think Trump would be all for it as well. So just like all the other good, good things he's done for folks. But, you know, in your opening, uh, to talk, you were talking about this. What's the name of the town that you said they don't have natural gas? Yes. Pembroke. What's the name of the town? Pembroke, 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 Illinois. Timbrook or Pembroke? Pembroke, P-E-M-B-R-O-K-E. It's oh, uh, Pem- okay. Yeah, I've done stories on this for many, many years, and nothing really has changed out there. They, well, some some see, now, people this, this, do this, have this, outdoor this, toilets. Well, you see, now what you're talking about is civilization, and this is a very interesting contrast because you've got AOC, you've got all these green energy people that don't want to create, you know, a good, better quality of life. For example, you may have be aware in California, I think Berkeley or some of these other towns on new construction, they're banning the use of natural gas installation in these buildings in people's homes. And, you know, you've got all these people talking about fossil fuels and how bad it is. Well, what fossil fuels do is allow us to live a better quality of life. And this is why these young millennials and all these liberal Democrats that are all for the, you know, ecology and green energy what they're all for basically is giving you a lower standard quality of life because that's what these people are. It's not a matter of people living well. It's a matter of them controlling you, us, the, the people. And you're seeing examples of it with all these green energy policies and all these, these Democrats are all for this. Well, in the instance so what of what you're really talking about is not following what they say. This is why you vote Republican. Well, in, in, in the in- Jim, Jim, on, on the yes, side. Sir. Regarding what they're doing is it, it also falls in the category of destroying the planet. You know, it's so well. It's it, not it, destroying the planet. Not, because first of all, you know, see the the problem is it's it, see this is this is the lie of the environmental movement. You know, as a dentist, I've seen some of the same political action against me in, in terms of using dental amalgam, which is one of the elements in in, in amalgam is mercury. Now, mercury by itself, obviously is toxic. However, when it's mixed and becomes a compound, it's not mercury anymore. And it's the same thing with the use of fluoride. There are towns like in Oregon recently, they, they took out the, the the fluoride out of the drinking water about three years ago on a referendum because the people are so misinformed there because of all the lies that, oh, we got to take the fluoride out of the drinking water. Well, do you mean well to... fluoride at one part per million, it just reduces dental decay because it makes your enamel more chemically resistant to the effects of acid, which is what, like little Pac-Man, eats away the enamel of your teeth, which is how cavities are formed. And so it's a complete, ignorant, stupid policy that was voted on by an in, in, you know, unelected, or I'm sorry, an, an illiterate electorate, for example, in Portland, Oregon. Well, now, Clint, what about in Flint, Michigan? Wasn't the governor of Flint, Michigan? No, it wasn't. It was the policies of all these people that led up to this. So this is why the governor... But who headed that state? Well... It started long before that last Republican governor was, was governor. Mm-hmm. You see, 
you know, it's, you just can't you put a timestamp and say this just started under the governor. And this is why, as part of his defense, what he did is he, he released all of his emails and all his communications with people to see that there was other issues that was pre-existing. It, happened, it happened on his watch. It started before he was there. Yeah, but he didn't do anything about it. People were dying and getting well, cancer. Well, you know what? I mean, you know, it's it. You know, I mean, we we could talk about this for a long time, but basically, like I'm saying, you know, like and what you're talking about, I support natural gas. It's a good thing to have. However, you've got these people in California, you know, they're basically saying, almost saying it's bad to be installed in these buildings, so they're banning the installation of natural gas in some of these in the new construction. It's absolutely stupid. Well, okay, thank you, you know? for your call, Jim, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you soon. All, All right, right so now in Pembroke, uh, Reverend Jackson is the reason why NICOR was at the table uh, two weeks ago, and he's going back on, on the 8th of January. That's a week before Dr. King's birthday. And Dr. <laughs> King, as you know, his last fight was with the uh, People's Poor Movement, and um, they certainly are poor out in Pembroke, and it needn't be that way. It's not that they don't want to work. There are no jobs out there. And if you bring in a natural gas line, then industry will be attracted to that area. In fact, the black farmers, the land that the black farmers own, they can grow hemp on like they did in World War II. And uh, it's very profitable. You, We can make millionaires out of these very poor people with this wow. ma- recreational marijuana mess, which I don't believe in. <laughs> Let's go to line two, Alan. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Ellen. How, how you doing, gentle? You know, I follow Jim. I said that when he called, it's like uh, he's pushing Republican ideals on a liberal radio station. I listen to him. You know why? You know who's a good Republican and he's the chief justice? Everybody said, well, President Obama, you're not going to get that ACA law. When you're a chief, you got to deal with these uh, partial judges, even in Baltimore. You got a liberal judge and crime so bad, and I say, ain't no uh, no conservative judge here. That we don't trust judges, we don't trust politicians. You know, Danny Davis grew up in Parksdale, Arkansas. You should get Sheila Jackson Lee, because uh, she was a big uh, proponent of uh, reparation. That how can he cross over uh, from uh, who are you saying Danny Davis can get it uh, pushed? Sheila Jackson Lee can push that through the Congress. That's why a lot of young folks don't. Uh, Trust politicians. You know why? I'm banking that John Roberts going to say Mitch McConnell. He uh, took a picture with uh, a Ku Klux Klan, uh, 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 a representative of the government in the 90s, and I said, that's treasonous. You know, Nancy Pelosi know how to play the game. It's Democrat versus uh, uh, the Republican. But John Roberts probably say, judges, people don't even trust judges. Now, look at all this black-on-black crimes in these urban cities. That uh, justice, John Roberts, is going to go down in history of uh, maintaining some integrity in the government. I'm saying most people don't like politicians. Okay. And y'all be ramming that stuff down our throat, you know. You know, because President Obama had faith in his own beliefs. I'm going to get my law passed, ACA. And John Roberts was to decide that he made it final. Tell me this, uh, Shunta. Uh, when uh, Donald Trump took office, he kept saying repeal the ACA law. He never said uphold the law. He said, I'm going to tweak it and twerk it. The guy doesn't even uphold the Constitution. He doesn't even have faith in his own Constitution. And I hope they convict him. And John Robinson will be the greatest justice of our time because he's the chief justice. Think about that. So I have a think question for you, uh, Alan, because we're talking about Dory Miller. Uh, do you think that the Congress should award him posthumously with the Congressional Medal of Honor? Definitely. I'm saying, you know why? I'm going to say, when Jim called, he said it right here. Donald Trump might do it to just save his hide, but did he really mean it? Because these people don't care about no African-American. I told her, it was a young lady say she voted for Trump. I said, you don't even look like President Obama. You don't even have the, uh, much money as President Obama. I said, Donald Trump doesn't like uh, uh, our first black president. Why would he like you? Because it's political. If he do it, it's going to be political, not from the heart. <laughs> That's for sure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your call. <laughs> give us a call at 312-374-8130 and give your opinions and Hello. comments on on the case. Yes, Commander? Yes. Uh, you know, we should not uh, stipulate on people's races or religion. All of these residents are veterans. They're, they're human beings, uh, and the job that they perform, the heroism that they perform, uh, 
that way based on the facts of what they did. I, I agree 100 percent, Commander. I agree 100 percent. But unfortunately, we live in America. We live in the United okay. States of America, and this is a racist country. Yeah, I can understand that. But he is a gentleman who gave his life, and you have to still go out and fight for him to be honored. You know, that's welcome to America. It should be automatically set. And and also, me. Commander Tony, uh, my cousin, as you know, is was Milton Leal of the third, the first African American to receive a, a Congressional Medal of Honor during the Vietnam War. When uh, they buried him, his dad buried him in Lexington, uh, Mississippi, and the KKK desecrated his grave. Then in Chicago, Mayor Richard J. Daley named the uh, park um, at 1000 North Lakeshore Drive after Olive Park after my cousin. Somebody desecrated the plaque. So yeah. racism is here to stay, unfortunately. I don't yeah. think it'll ever yeah, well, you, you have You have people uh, that think that way. And, uh, you know, you can't let that define uh, who you are. You know, you you do have to take the higher road. Those, those people that sacrificed and, and gave up their lives and everything to fight for our country, uh, we should always honor them and be grateful for things that we have because of them. Absolutely. Kurt, let's take Kurt on line one. Kurt, welcome to On the Case. Oh, you know what, one of the main things I want to do, you're, you're calling the uh, medal by the wrong name. It's not, it's not a Congressional Medal of Honor. It's simply the medal. medal I shouldn't say simply, it's the Medal of Honor. Right, I'm sorry. It's you're not right. really given by Congress. Uh, it comes through in the, in the name of Congress, and the president does not have the ability, I should say, the power to arbitrarily award it. Uh, what what they have to do in the case of Doris Miller, and that's his name, it's Doris, it's not Dory. Yeah. Uh, you you have to apply through the Pentagon to up, what you should try and do is upgrade his Navy cross. You're not going to be able to get an outright award because of the, the circumstances that went on. Number one, you have to have two witnesses. And I doubt if you're going to find two eyewitnesses at this point. But I think he already got the, na- the, the Navy Cross. He has the Navy Cross, but the, 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 requirement, the, the requirement for Medal of Honor is, is far above the Navy Cross at that time. At the Navy Cross now is the second highest award, but at that time it was the third highest. So and the medal, so- the medal of honor requires uh, intrepid. That word crosses me up. Intrepidity. It, basically, it's it's valor above and beyond the call of duty. That's why usually it's awarded to someone who was killed, because it's not something that you do that you were ordered. Uh, and I know when I was in the navy and this came up, the way it was explained to us is that the read. They, this is what they told us. He was ordered onto the bridge. It's not something that he did on his own. It's just usually the, the Medal of Honor is given for something that happens on the spur of the moment, something you really don't have time to think about, just like Milton uh, or Carmel Harvey. Right. It's not something where somebody orders you to go do something. Okay. And also there's a, there's a lot of misinformation uh, he, Doris Miller himself said he's not even sure if he shot down any plane that day. Um, and and uh, if you've been in the Navy and you fired those kind of guns, you know the lead goes out. You basically, it's it's uh, you're lucky if you hit anything. The plane has to fly into it. Those guns couldn't actually, like you see in the movie where they aim and hit a plane. That's that's Hollywood. Hmm, that's interesting. And thanks for correcting me about the medal. I know better. I don't know why I said congressional. Okay, let's take uh, Janice, and okay, then we're going to go. Need, they need to try to get the medal upgraded, not not a not a a, a, a different award. Okay, well, thank, thank you. you Kurt. Let's take uh, Janice, and then we're going to we have a, another guest on our live line. Janice, your comments, please, and Merry Christmas. I'm thinking about the same to you. I was thinking about that Timbrook situation. I thought Jesse Jr. was working with somebody out there with something, trying to get something when he was congressman. And they had gotten one part of it, and the people signed thinking they would be able to get it to bring the water up. 
But I would go to Trump about this. He wants to get reelected. I don't care whether he does it out of his heart or because I pay taxes. They should go to Trump. It's that Robin Kelly's district. She should go in there and meet with him. And I bet he'd do it because um, he's given more to the black colleges than President Obama did. So I could care less about whether he wanted to do it or not. It seems like to me, I saw him on cable there, not cable, I guess you call it. Um, I saw him on the Internet where he was speaking to the blacks in Atlanta. And he said, I know you didn't vote for me, but I told you I would still do. Well, there are, there are procedures. And the, the biggest thing, the biggest victory for Reverend Jackson was to get NICOR out there. This problem has been going on for about 50, 60 years, if not longer. So Reverend got NICOR at the table promising to do every, you know, all that it can do to make this happen. And I and I really I'm I'm really prayerful for these people out here because when you have and some of them don't have running water, I mean it's it's outrageous the way that it's been done out there. And you know when I worked for uh, Lieutenant Governor Pat Quinn as his uh, director of constituent services and senior policy advisor, I went out there. Pat sent me out there and he said, "Find out what's wrong." The engineers told me that the sewers that they need an intergovernmental agreement so that they can fix the sewers. Otherwise, they were going to blow, and all the waste would go into Beaver's Creek. That's what they told me. So I focused in on getting the mayor of Hopkins Park and the president of um, Pembroke to get together. They did not like each other. In fact, they hated each other. I finally got them together. They signed a document. Uh, it was the first intergovernmental agreement ever in the history out there, and I took it back to Pat Quinn and gave it, of course, he had to turn it over to Governor Blagojevich, and I don't, they had to do it over to make it uh, formal, so I don't know what happened, but I'm told that the sewers were never fixed, and that, that breaks my heart. So thank you for your comments, Janice. Let's go to the live line. We have Dr. Willie Wilson. Uh, Ms. Chauvier, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? You're a candidate for U.S. Senate, Senator, uh, Senate, but that's not why you're calling. You're upset about this city council uh, passing a recreational marijuana bill, and there are no black owners. How do you feel about that as a businessman, a very successful black businessman? Well, first of all, I think it should be <clears throat> some uh, black ownership there. And, and uh, secondly, I think that it should not have been allowed to have uh, the the medical uh, marijuana owned by totally all white. They should have made a way that some African Americans should have been able to make that happen and, and own some of it. Now, I, I call it modern-day sharecroppers, you know, <laughs> uh, um, because the fact of it is, is that you have a lot of the, in my opinion, you have a lot of the, 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 the blacks now and white put up the money and they're getting in where they can get in. I understand that. But, but yet and all, there should be some ownership that people who have the money that can make something happen and we should not be starting behind the eight ball. You know, so I, I uh, held a press conference. I sent it out. Uh, we, we have put together some, uh, um, some black, uh, business people who putting the money up, I'm putting my own up as well. Let's see, that, see, can we get one that that money can go back into the community and help the community like it ought to be, you know? Well, you know, if if, if you get black businessmen to to uh, get into this business, and I understand it takes a lot of money even to for the application, and it's very difficult, but if you can make that happen, can you make sure that the black farmers in in Pembroke can grow hemp like they did in World War Two. <clears throat> well, I'm I'm willing to meet with all of them and put our heads together and make it work. Uh, but first of all, with with opportunity, this this great, whereas that this an opportunity that we could take those dollars and and make sure that the education system and for African Americans who are really really struggling. To help them uh, trade back into action, uh, senior citizens, medicals, and things of that nature as well. I just think it's wrong that, look, you lock the black people up and minorities up for marijuana and put them in jail. Then now you're, you're making it illegal, so, so now they're out, and now you're going to turn around and sell it to us? And without allowing us the opportunity to 
to uh, to to invest and get involved with it ourselves. The tax dollars should be set there and just give some of the African American community and business people their own and put it together. You, you make a way for the uh, sanctuary immigrant. So why can't you make a way for the African American? And Dr. Um, Wilson, I do know for a fact that the uh, mayor, Lori Lightfoot, ran on a platform of bringing, you know, quality um, as far as jobs and resources to the west side and the south side of Chicago. You know, my question to you going for that is to say, you know, as far as the getting black ownership in the um, medical marijuana dispensary business, how can we how can our listeners uh, get involved as well? And helping you. Well, I, I, first of all, let me back up a minute here. You know, by black owning empowerment is what going to, in my opinion, keep jobs within our community. The, the, the tax dollars that we take and put in the city of Chicago is being all used to non-African Americans. Uh, we pay uh, 31% or 31% of African Americans. Those tax dollars not getting back in our community. They're going to white businesses, to, and then they turn around and create a few jobs, but most of them is not created within our community, you know. So how do you get involved with it if you don't have the necessary resources and the dollars? It's tough. Now, I like to meet with some of the black farmers and, and some business people and put it all together because if, uh, if we do that, then I'm sure we can put it together. Now, I'm going to apply. Well, myself and a few other people uh, for a license, I'm going to turn that in probably one day next week, this week coming up. And let's see what happened there, whether we're able to get it or not. Uh, and then another thing, too, I don't think that should be a lottery for, for, for black folks who've been put in jail. Well, what about reparation? You know, we're not hearing that talk. So you mean like in Evanston, they, 3% of their sales from recreational marijuana will go towards the reparations for black people and in uh, Evanston, is that what you're talking about? Well, no, I'm talking about more than that. You can do that too, but I'm talking strictly ownership. You know, where that look when when they wrote the policies and things of that nature, how are you going to get a license? I don't believe there was no African American there would help writing the policy to make sure these things would happen. And um, you know, so if you're not at the table. To do this, how are 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 this going to apply to 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 the to the poor community? In this case, I'm speaking African American. How is that going to apply when you're not at the table writing how it should work? You you cannot expect for the black community to have the resources and the dollar as the same standard as you do with major white corporations. It is insane. That's true. But, you know, I thought it, you couldn't really apply for six months. Am I wrong on that? Well, 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 but see, look, they write the policy for however way they wanted to write it. But if I had been one writing the policy, it would have been totally different. You know, you, you know, like, okay, the, the, the white been in there now all this long, and they don't have not, not one black, period. And then from my understanding, now, this is from my understanding, is that, the white that's in with the medical, they get first choices of, of reparation as well. You know, I would not have wrote it that way. I don't make sure that we are put in that. I, I think you got to talk about reparation to the black community, all right, uh, to make sure that they have a way in without having the capital because they don't have the capital. Now, you got people maybe such as myself and some of the other black, wealthy blacks, uh, so-called, in, in Chicago, where your wealth or at least got some kind of money that you can pay your own way and get in, all right? But by the same token is that uh, the risk that they take, what, what, what a lot of people is not getting involved with, be because they don't get a chance to get their money back. And then the other thing, too, black people haven't had the opportunity of owning uh, uh, farming marijuana. If, if you're caught black people farming uh, marijuana, we've been more been in jail, you know? Right. And, and, and so we must. We would. We should create a program where why don't you get the black the money, put up to get the black farmers coming together and everything, put some type of situation there where that we can raise a, a, a grow the crop, 
and then get blacks in that way. And I'm thinking that way in reparation, you know, along with the rest of it, too. Uh, I, I we, we cannot expect black people to be on the same level as white people when they are taking the tax dollars and not putting back into the black community, but putting in the major corporations who already have the money. So you got to find some ways to make it happen, you know, to get the people off the street from, from crime and things of that nature, uh, that, that we can eliminate the crime, we can create jobs and, and wealth to the people out there. Now, I do not intend to be taking money for myself. All these dollars we make with other people, we're going to take and make sure it benefits the community as well as the business people themselves, you know? Uh-huh. So let me be clear on this. You're, you're actually going to apply for a license to sell recreational marijuana? Uh, I'm actually going to do that this week, yes, <clears throat> so that <clears throat> they cannot say that they can't find anybody that is African-American that's going to step to the plate. And, 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 and let's see if they're going to qualify or not. I, I'm going to apply. The income level that, from my understanding, I could be off some, but from my understanding, uh, the income level in terms of financial, you know, you got to meet those thresholds. And those are hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, I, I think you got to show three to five years back taxes and you got to make so much money each year. I think that's in the million, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, right there, you're squeezing out African-American that possibly uh, could get in because you don't have those kind of dollars to meet those thresholds. So if you if they won't let you in because the city council and I have to commend Alderman Jason Urban for leading the Black Caucus and trying to, to, to get a delay. Of course, the mayor uh, checked that in a, in, a, in a hurry. But I have to commend him for trying to delay it. But if you don't get in to get your piece of the marijuana pie, will you sue? Well, you, you know, I don't know that the city, city council, and I, I applaud the, the, the Black Alderman for doing what they did and those who who pushing for a delay. But you got to understand this here. You can rewrite the policy any kind of way you wanted to get the people in, uh, in, in this marijuana thing, all right? But we, we should not be held to the same standard as having money when we when the economic situation is that uh, it, it's not there. Uh, again, you have the black have spent all the time in jail, but misdemeanor and nonviolent on marijuana and broke up families and people still in jail today on the same thing. They have not let them out yet. And then a few that have made it out, now you're going to sell it to them and that's illegal and they done paid their time in jail and everything else. You know, and some people in jail for it right now and haven't even had a trial yet. I understand. It's insane to me, you know? Yes. Let's go to line one and see what Lewis has to say. Lewis, welcome to On the Case. I got the new Lewis. Lewis, are you there? Okay, let's go to line two, Melvin. Okay, so Melvin, line two. That's where uh, I just heard Willie Wilson. Um, I don't know if he's still there, but... Uh, this is thing about he's running for senator, and you know what he could do is uh, we, when we talk about reparations, he can follow the line from Evanston. Evanston guy had a plan for uh, reparations. Whatever they're gonna do, like uh, the marijuana thing, the, the the cannabis thing that's up in uh, Evanston, uh, other, the other things that's going on in Evanston. That's good. That would be good for not only Chicago but for the state. Uh, he can also do uh, reparations. Uh, there's uh, there's a guy who's, who was, well, he's still running for president, but they, they didn't want him to speak this past uh, Thursday. That was uh, Cory Booker, for Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey. He was talking about the uh, tax, the wealth tax. And the wealth tax was, was to build up communities for poor people that don't have, that, that they, they can't get through, they don't have no money. And that, 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 he said he's tired, 
Booker said he was tired of waking up in the morning and hear people getting shot in the morning every every day. Uh, without, and he knows there's nothing uh, in there. There's no that poor don't don't get uh, the things. And he argued with Elizabeth Warren uh, about that back then, the, the the last debate that they had. But they shut that. But the uh, the handlers, the, the debate handlers, shut them down because they don't want them talking. They don't want blacks to be talking. In fact, they forced uh, Kamala Harris to drop out even though she was qualified, and Deval Patrick, he's in the wings uh, down, you know, waiting for his chance to get in there. But they, they wanted to see how they gonna, how the white folks themselves going to handle this thing. And the last debate, it was a good debate, but they did not bring up anything about crime. Okay. Ray Wilson had, had talked about things about gambling casinos, uh, to stop the red light cameras, and all these things in the, in the, in the, in the, in the poor community. Right. Thank, thank you thank for you, your Mel. call. Uh, Lewis, are you there? Line one. Uh, hello? Lewis? Hello, Lewis. Uh, good afternoon, uh, good people. Thank and you. good afternoon, uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Willie Wilson. <laughs> How you doing? All right. Uh, I'd like to say we got a saying on the street, and the, and, and the street saying is, all money is not good money. And, and when I say that, what I mean is that uh, this cannabis uh, uh, legalized this recreational cannabis money. I don't think this is good money. And the reason why I say that is, is because when people start u- using that, what's going to happen is it's going it's going uh uh it's going to keep them from from obtaining a lot of opportunities out there. The governor just signed a 45 billion dollar infrastructure bill. If you use that cannabis, you won't be able to qualify for that job. And if you already have a job, if they give you a, a random drug test or you come in there smelling like you've been using that drug or if you look like you've been using that drug, they could terminate your position. Also, if you use that drug, you can lose your housing uh, subsidy that you might be receiving from the federal government. Also, you can uh, – uh, uh, it's limited to where you can use it at. You can't you can't walk up and down the street smoking it, and you can't smoke it in a park. Therefore, if you smoke it out there on the street, they're gonna give you a fine, and then they're gonna turn around and incarcerate you again. And after all that smoked and cleared, what we're gonna have is is that the people that still left, we're gonna have a mass migration where they're gonna leave the city. Okay. Well, thank you for your call. Well, as of January first, twenty twenty. Um, you will be able to buy and smoke marijuana in Illinois with the passage of HB 1438. Illinois became the 11th state to legalize recreational use. You won't be able to grow your own unless you're a registered medical marijuana patient, but adults 21 and up will have legal access to marijuana sold in dispensaries across the state. And that's what... uh, uh, Dr. Willie Wilson wants to be an owner of uh, one of these dispensaries. But keep in mind that public use of pot products will be prohibited. That includes in bars and restaurants. So we have you, you better know the law because I think blacks are going to be put in the trick bag over this. Uh, do we have to, let's, Ms., Ms. Jones, let's go to line two. You're our last caller. Yes. Um, good afternoon, Chancellor. This is my first time calling to your show. But I just had to call uh, today. Are you there? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes. Other words, you know, number one, um, Dr. Willie Wilson should have been the mayor in the beginning. Okay? And this is what what gets under my skin of, of these politicians. You know, they so concerned about how people talk. And to me, this do not make any sense. It's about what they have in their, their mind to do, whatever way they talk. I mean, it's about doing the right thing. Amen, Ms. Jones. It's about action. And it's about time for, for, for black people to wake up and smell the coffee. Well, I agree with you. Thanks for your call. Dr. Willie Wilson, your comments? Well, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with 100%. I mean, look, these laws are being written, but 
nobody there was black that was writing the laws that going to affect the black community, you know, uh, and, and you have to understand it. Uh, these laws are not meant to be to, to, to benefit direct on even playing field as the, as, as, the, as the white guys or white ladies uh, out here because we did at a whole total disadvantage. Uh, look, the, 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 these laws is going to put situation here together, and we're going to be left all out and then selling it to, to black people, making billions and billions of dollars or millions and millions of dollars, but not in power. Why should the, 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 the black here be buying all the product from white and, um, and, and depending on them? And they can jack the market up, you know, that drawing it, and uh, they still control. Uh, as a business person, you don't go into business when somebody else has already put that first and, and get an even start, you know. So you, but but right now they didn't put them there, and I, I think it needs sensitivity. I, I think that the black community being left out, and I'm sure they may get a few of the trums, but 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 the trum is not. The the the, uh, the ownership, you know, somebody else is, is giving you the crumb what they want to give you, but not the ownership. Right. They they're going to be hiring us at fifteen dollars an hour, but they're going to be making millions and maybe down the road billions. Right. And Doc Doctor Wilson is on the show today to um, inform or to request about we about us getting ownership in the marijuana medical marijuana dispensaries. Right, Dr. Wilson. Well, uh, I, I'm I'm just making sure that look, uh, somebody got to raise the issue out here for the community on the community behalf. You know. Well, that's uh, what that's I, what the alderman Jason Irvin was trying to do. Uh, he wanted to delay it until July so that possibly they can get black ownership, but that that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I applaud uh, uh, Alderman Irvin and all the other ones who voted for it. Uh, and I guess that's more or less now where I'm stepping up to the plate and say, hey, look, here's somebody here that has the necessary resources to put together people, and let's see what happens. Now, I'm going to put in for it uh, next week, and I, let's see what happens. I, I, but, but still in all, I still say that the way the program was set up, it was wrong. 15% of the state of Illinois is, is African American. 15%. You know, when they gave the medical license, they knew that the black one didn't have the medical license and the money to get into it. Right. So why is those bars so high? So thank you, Dr. Willie Wilson, and I hope you're successful uh, with getting your recreational uh, marijuana license. And thank you for being on, on the case. And thank you, Patrick Shelton, our engineer. And I want to wish everyone Merry Christmas, including my co-host, Kent Hunley and his beautiful family. Thank you.